0: Connecting, growing, and gaining opportunities together. Welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. I'm Michelle Bouchore, your host for today's show. I am here today with Eric Muchnick, the creator of Red Ball Drills. Red Ball Drills is an all-hazards training approach organization that provides scenario-based training for a variety of hazards, including workplace violence, weather emergencies, active shooter situations, evacuations, and more. They are the only Department of Homeland Security Safety Act designation program of its kind. Eric, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you're here too. So I'd really like to just kind of get right into things, but before we do, can you give me the details? of how Red Ball Drills came to be, and maybe with a little bit of your background and how it all kind of came to fruition.
1: Uh, sure. So I'll, I'll start my, my quick background. Um, is I was born in Michigan, in Ann Arbor, and um, was born with dual citizenship with Israel. Uh, so after high school, I moved to Israel and was drafted into the Israeli Defense Force, I served as a paratrooper with the IDF um, and after my service came back to the University of Michigan uh, to get my degree in chemical engineering, decided at the end I didn't really want to work in chemical engineering, although I was very happy I had the degree, and got a job in a counterterrorism training company outside of Richmond, Virginia, and worked with them starting in August of 2001, so that's right before 9-11, and was immersed in the industry after that. And then left the company to start my company, Experian Group, in 2007. Um, so that's that's the brief background of me. Um, and then in 2015, I was. It was at, actually at the request of a property management company uh, in Washington, D.C., who was looking for a different kind of active shooter training. Um, and the Red Ball drills began as active shooter uh, training and then quickly evolved into an all hazards crisis management training system. So that's, that's where the Red Ball drills were, were born from. And they basically said, you know, hey, we, we don't want run, hide, fight because we can get it for free from DHS. We don't want a scary drill with fake weapons that because they, even in 2015, understood the liability implications of scaring people during an exercise. And their biggest stipulation was that whatever we designed, it had. they wanted a live drill. So they wanted an exercise to be run live at their building that wasn't a PowerPoint. But they said, whatever you do, it cannot interfere with tenant operations. So if we don't want tenants to know about it, they don't know about it. And I said that that sounds really hard. <laughs> so, yeah, so, for I, sure. I, so I got to work and, you know, started researching what was out there for active shooter. And the only thing that was out there was run, hide, fight. Even to this day, essentially, the only thing out there is run, hide, fight, you know, and there's a lot of variations on that on that program, uh, but they're all essentially the same thing. And they're all essentially a stop, drop and roll of active shooter training. And it was a good thing, right? It, it, It was it was out there so that people had choices to make in the event of a crisis incident as opposed to just freezing. My issue with that was that nobody was having a conversation on how to develop management policy and procedure to deal with an event. So for those with duty of care, you can't just run, hide, fight if you're sitting in a command center as a security operator, right? Or if you're a property manager, you know, it's you certainly have to think about your safety, but you also have other elements that you have to consider. So nobody was actually having that conversation about process. And that's really what red ball drills are. They they are. It is a program that focuses on the discussion of process to develop better policies and procedures. And that's that's the basis of how the Red Bull drills start.
0: When we started talking, uh, you know, last week and uh, just listening to you talk about how how this actually works, you know, it's really changing the landscape for this type of training for all organizations. You know, we, we are focusing, you know, on tribal organizations, but across the board, you know, it's, it's really changing the way people are looking at it and making them maybe more confident in understanding what their role is if this situation comes up. So that's, that's really
1: neat. It's really been, it really has been astounding, you know, and when I, when I created it, I didn't, I didn't even realize the extent to what the red ball drills can do because there typically there are two ways to train people. There's one way that says I've developed this genius solution and I want you to learn my genius solution. And that can be very good training because some people, in fact, have genius solutions. The other direction that people usually take for training is we've trained you in this stuff already. And now we're going to do a compliance check or an exercise that helps us to understand if you have retained the knowledge that we have given you. Again, that can be very good training as a reminder and to practice. Right. What's not often done is any sort of training that allows for innovation, because those two types of training I described are all about committing to an established process, not creating new process. So the red ball drills, when you treat people like subject matter experts, which they are, and you understand their organizational culture at a deeper deeper level, and you guide a conversation to talk about certain scenarios, the findings are mind-blowing. And that's really how the red ball drills work. It is an empowerment exercise that allows people to feel like they have a voice and describe process in a way that leads to better discovery. And and the red ball drills occur typically in three phases. So, the first phase is an evaluation of existing documentation, crisis management plans, emergency management plans, environmental health and safety, post orders for security, anything regarding safety and security that we're going to run scenarios on. And it gives us an idea of what policies and procedures are in place, which is important, but it also helps us understand how that organization is writing their policy. How are they communicating policy to their staff? Because, how, you know, the Chickasaw right policy is not how the Philadelphia Phillies Phillies right policy is not how a hospital writes policy. So you have to have a deeper understanding of how they're communicating. So after that, phase one, it's a it's a comprehensive evaluation. We're looking not just at active shooter, but we're looking at all of their policy to see what they have in place. Phase two is a site assessment. So we're we're going into the organization, we're going into this facility, and we we have a checklist, so it's a it's like a standard threat and vulnerability assessment. But the the real goal of that phase two is to get an understanding of the site specifics of that location and the organizational culture. Because the problems of a school are not the problems of a hospital are not the problems of a casino. So you have to have a deeper understanding of what the operations look like in that building. And that really comes through interviews with people who sit there. Even in the same tribal area, the problems of a behavioral health clinic are not the problems of a daycare, are not the problems of a tribal administration building. You have to be able to talk to people and say, what do you see here? What are incidents that you envision happening here? What are incidents that happen here that you that you have issues with or that you're concerned about? So that's really the purpose of phase two is to get that understanding. At the end of that phase, we sit with the point of contact, whoever that might be, and say, look, what do you envision as most likely events to happen here? Basically, we're saying, what scenarios do you want to run? Through that conversation we get 20 to 25 scenarios there's really no limit per se except for time but you know that's where we get the scenario ideas that we're going to use for the red ball trails themselves now a memo goes out to all staff and the memo basically says in the next few weeks if somebody approaches you and produces a red ball and just to visualize it it's basically a smaller version of a red dodgeball and if if somebody produces a red ball it indicates that you're about to have a conversation about a crisis event And it goes on to state the rules, and the rules are gonna change from facility to facility, but essentially it says, there'll be no aggressive actions from consultants, and no physical reaction is required from participants, because I don't want them to, you know, see the ball and run for Starbucks. So now that memo has gone out, people know something is coming, they just don't know what it is, so there's a little bit of anticipation, which is fine. But there is no fear involved with red ball drills, so it's not about we're gonna surprise them and scare them. So now we move to phase three, which is the red ball drill itself. You have a role player who holds the ball, keeps it in a backpack and produces the ball based on the scenarios that we've pre-designed. And you have a moderator who controls the, the exercise, leads the conversation and asks questions. So if you envision, let's say, a behavioral health clinic, there's a receptionist at the front. Let's just say it's a he sitting there. So the role player would walk in. And the receptionist is sitting there and they say, oh, yeah, I have a meeting at three o'clock and quietly they pull out the red ball. The receptionist got the memo, sees the ball and he goes, oh, no, the red ball, am I dead? That's usually the first response that we get. to
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and then the moderator comes in and says, you're not dead. And just so you know, this isn't a test. It's a conversation. I need your help so that together we can discuss a scenario and see if the process does everything that we want it to do. And if you have to answer the phone, talk to a visitor, do anything operationally, go ahead and do that. We'll step aside and wait for you to be done and come back to the conversation when you're ready.
0: So you're not disrupting that person's job. Exactly. Exactly. So, and that's,
1: that was the key point. Remember the property management company said, you know, we don't want you to bother tenants if we don't want them bothered. So we designed this program so that there are no interruptions to daily operations whatsoever, which means we can run this in a casino with, without guests, even knowing that there's a live drill taking place. You know, we would never go up to, you know, a dealer in the middle of a game and pull the ball, right? That's not the goal of the thing. However, when the dealer's on break, we could pull the ball. You know, so we find those times, but we could talk to, you know, not just the dealers, but casino managers and food and drink operators and everybody else that's involved in the casino because everybody has a perspective. And when you approach somebody and say, hi there, I need your help based on your knowledge. Will you help me? They say, yes, I'd love to help you with my knowledge. So it it automatically puts people in a place of comfort to discuss process about a scenario.
0: You're talking to all levels of people who work in facility. You know, if I'm thinking of, say, a Head Start program, you know, you you can talk with maybe the receptionist and then you're talking to a teacher and a program manager. So you're really getting all of their perspectives on what they're thinking it you know should happen or does happen. So then you can take all of that. And see what works, what doesn't work, because what a manager might think works isn't really what actually happens. If you're a teacher in a lunchroom with 20 kids, that's a really great, a great thing that I think is what makes your company really unique.
1: It's, it is. It is one of the core principles of how we operate, so that we get the because perspective matters, and you know, and when when policy usually comes from top down, right inherently there's a lack of understanding with what's happening with boots on the ground, you know, with what people are, are doing operationally. So, you know, a superintendent of schools doesn't necessarily know what a teacher is dealing with on a daily basis. You know, even if they were a teacher 10 years ago, things have changed. So our ability to go in and, you know, like a head start, and yes, pull the ball on a teacher, pull the ball on the receptionist, pull the ball on potentially a parent, you volunteer who's there you know, and and have conversations about their perspective for certain dynamics and our ability to focus on meaningful scenarios that are dealt with at that level. Because, again, none of these two facilities are the same, you know, and we approach it. Each one is unique so that we can get that perspective and it produces better information.
0: So can you walk me through what would it be like if you were tasked with working with a small casino, say, and, and coming in to do an evaluation of their security. How does that work?
1: So so basically, let's assume it's the, the casino security director that would reach out, okay. right? So so they would say, hey, we would love a red ball drill. And I'd say, yay. And, uh, and then I'd say, first thing, email me all of your crisis management plans, business continuity plans, whatever you have regarding safety and security, post orders for your security officers, you know, whether they're internal or contracted, and that's all emailed. Um, and casinos are a little bit different because they are much more protective of information than let's say other facilities <laughs> that are associated with it. So, you know, we can adjust as needed. We, we have had locations that said, we can't send it to you electronically. Can you evaluate it on site? In which case, yes, because it's only a day usually that we're evaluating it. Anyway, we just have to be there to do it, so we evaluate their documentation just to give us a sense of what they have in place for the casino. And you know, at this point, I haven't seen a crisis management plan from a casino that has something more for active shooter than basically run, hide, fight. And you know, what does lockdown even mean in a casino? It's it, it is very hard to control perimeters in that kind of an environment. You know, because even if they lock the doors, people will open them because they're leaving, right? You know, unless they're breaking every fire code I've ever heard of, you can't keep the doors locked. So now we're able to look, look at their documentation and then phase two, we're coming on site to start the interviews, right? We're doing a a threat and vulnerability assessment. So I'm looking, you know, we're not evaluating their camera systems because why bother? It's a casino. In fact, if anything, they would teach me how to use cameras. But I want to see how their cameras are being used, you know, just to get a sense of what they have in place as we look to develop policy a little bit. You know, we're looking at perimeter and access control and information sharing. And then what again, that checklist just keeps us honest, right? There's nothing miraculous about my checklist. It just helps me remember, you know, what I need to cover. It's the interviews that start to give us the information that's critical. You know, if I interview a bartender, "Hey, if this happened, Talk to me about what your concerns are or what are your concerns in general. Their perspective is going to be different than a dealer, which will be different than a casino manager, you know, or other aspects of a casino. And every casino is different, the layout's different the guests are different, the location's different. So again, you have to treat each one as unique. This isn't about a solution for casinos that now I'm bringing to a casino like, oh, I've developed this solution and I want you to follow that solution. This is a conversation to say, you have unique issues, let's talk about them so I can learn as much as possible while I'm here. And that's what, that's the importance of phase two. Now I would sit with that security director at the end of the day and say, okay, what scenarios do you want to run? You know, I would suggest an active shooter scenario, whether it's outside the casino adjacent to the casino or in the casino or all three. It's up to them, you know, but they need to tell me what other issues, you know. Look, there are some casinos that have, let's say, political issues with local religious groups who are heavily against gambling. So the casino security director might say, you know, I'd like to deal with honestly just a protest outside 20 of these you know, religious representatives that are out with signs and they start heckling our guests you know, as they come in. So we can run that kind of scenario because it's meaningful to the casino.
0: Right. You and know? it's not necessarily an active shooter or a violent guest or something. It's it's completely different than I guess that what I would think of, but for that casino is probably something they deal with a lot and could really use help on figuring out what's the best way to handle it. So exactly. And that best
1: way comes from them, not right. me. It's the, it's the conversation of red Bull drills that elicits. So I would pull the ball on the security director and say, okay, you get a call from one of your security officers telling you, hey, there's a group of 10 people outside and they're starting to get a little bit physically abusive, you know, with with guests, you know, they're not punching them, but they're body blocking them from going in. Right. So I'll say go. And part of our proprietary process is letting them talk. Don't inject your wisdom before they've offered you the information they already had in their head. So now we can have an open conversation and maybe the security director says, well, I'm calling police. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And we walk through process step by step to see if there's anything we're missing. Look, there are some casinos that won't call police because their relationship with local non-native police is terrible, not because of them, but because of, let's say, 40 years of negative dynamics between local law enforcement and a native tribe. So, you know, so if that's the case, then we need to supplement, right? Like we need to be able to call 911. Look, maybe local police they don't have a good relationship with, but the sheriffs they do. So now we, how do we incorporate the sheriff, you know, into this process of response? So that's the beauty of the red ball drills. Look, before I ran a red ball drill with a Native American tribe, I had no idea that there were issues like that with local law enforcement. You know, to me, it seemed like almost like a 1960s civil rights kind of thing. Like, does this even happen anymore? But it does. As close as the 90s, there have been severely racist attempts, I'm sure even closer than the 90s, but there have been severely racist interactions between local law enforcement and Native American tribal members. Only through a red ball drill when I asked the question, like, why have you not called 911? And like, let me tell you why. There is an inherent fear of police, but I put them in a position to say that. Right. And so now we could create process that works around that, you know, and potentially even leads to steps to improve the relationship with local PD. So that's that's the beauty of it. And it doesn't come from, you know, the red ball drill moderators security genius. It comes from the dynamic of the red ball drill that allows for discussion and empowers them to open up their minds and say, here's what I think we should do. And then we, our expertise guides them a little bit and will, you know, tweak things as needed, but it's really mostly them. And it's entirely culturally specific because, like I said, you know, the problems of a hospital are not the problems of a school are not the problems of a baseball stadium. But even more importantly, with regards to you, the problems of the Navajo are not the problems of the Reading Rancheria are not the problems of the Chickasaw. So... You have to look at all of these locations. And even within the tribe, all those facilities are different. When we ran it for one tribe, they had four or three behavioral health clinics that were widely spread throughout. The area and then a main main medical center, you know, and the problems of each of those were very different based on what they dealt with. There was only one behavioral health clinic that would that would deny benefits to a tribal member. So so they were the only ones that would deal with that element of denial, which would potentially cause for a violent reaction. Other behavioral health clinics dealt with other things, and we ran scenarios that were more meaningful to them. So it's just that's it's why I love this program. It's because it, it allows for people to just talk about things they know so that we can develop better process together.
0: When you're when you're working, you know, with an organization or, you know, back to the casino and you you run this drill, how many do you do? You know, does it depend on the size of the facility or does it depend on, you know, what the organization who's who has you come in on what their goals are? So so
1: that that well, that would be initial discussions. So usually a a tribe will be like, you know, for this one, I think we want to focus on our behavioral health clinic because that's where we see a lot of agitation, especially post covid. You know we're you know we're just seeing a lot of fear and anxiety and you know and and it's not just for people coming into the, the clinic it's staff right you know like we have we have staff that are burnt out you know and and we need to run scenarios that deal with some of these aspects so it's entirely up to the tribe they might want to do all their facilities which we've had you know like hey you know could you could you cover everything and then we just propose how much time that's going to take because a red ball drill is usually done per facility and if they have a hundred facilities. For some reason, you know, then we don't recommend they do 100. I say, look, pick three central facilities, facilities that are more meaningful. See how the red ball drills work so that you understand what the the output would be. Oh, and I always forget to talk about the deliverable because I get excited about the process. But, you know, the, the deliverable from all of this is, is a concise report from all three phases, you know, and not not 100 pages of fluff language that sort of demonstrates what an amazing researcher I am. It's about tables of observations and recommendations. Here's what we saw, and here's what we think you should do to help that problem. The biggest difference is in phase three in the report. It says, here's the scenario we ran and here's the process that was developed all the way from security guard up to the tribal council, depending on, you know, what scenario we're running and where information like that would go. So you could almost take that process from phase three and cut it and paste it into your crisis management plan or your training plan. So so that's the deliverable that comes to, to, to the casino. So I say, look, wait for the deliverable. Once you see it and you understand the output of the red ball drill, you will know where to apply the red ball drill best. And they might say, you know what, we don't need to do these other, you know, 50 tiny little offices. Let's just focus on these other three, in which case fine. So again, it's not, there's no upsell with the red ball drills. If anything, I downsell, I'm like, look, do one. So you understand how it works and then you will understand. So it's, that's, that makes it easy for the trod to sort of pick and choose.
0: Yeah. And then it'll kind of tell them to what, what might be the most important or where they could get the most out of, out of doing one of the drills. What so. has been, you know, it sounds you've worked with so many different organizational structures. What has been the one of the most challenging ones that you've worked with?
1: Um, what are the most, I mean, honestly, one of them was was my first, you know, Native American tribal experience because it it helped me realize how little I actually knew about anything. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, you just like I, I think my first experience was when I was little and we were driving through Utah and I think that would have been a Navajo nation. Uh-huh. But, you know, but we, you know, we drove through and I, you know, was exposed and I started reading What is it Jonathan Kellerman detective? I can't remember, but he's, it's very Native American based detective uh-huh. stories. And okay. I was fascinated by it. So I read it. Once I got to the first tribal location, you know, and everybody's talking about BIA, you know, BIA. Yeah. And I was like, what, what is BIA? you like, the beauty. Bureau of Indian Affairs. And I'm like, that still exists? Like, I had no idea, you know, and how important that is into, you know, day-to-day aspects of any, you know, tribe. And, you know, and someone explained it to me, again, because it was just, why would I know? I haven't been exposed to it. But that's the beauty of the red ball drills is that it does expose it. It it allows for your lack of knowledge so that you can derive better process. We don't have to come in pretending like we know everything. We come in assuming we know nothing. (laughs) And then, And then we have the conversation so that we can now dedicate it to the needs of that particular tribe, which is great. So, so I would say that was one of the more difficult ones, certainly, you know, in terms of self-reflection, I'm like, wow, I, I thought I was a smart dude, but you know, I really don't know much at all. But It was a great, it was a great opportunity to learn. Even the dynamics of religious groups that don't like casinos or relationships with local law enforcement, all of that came from Red Ball Drill Discussions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say the second hardest was a mining facility that we, that we ran a red ball drill for in Kenya. Um, oh, wow. And it was outside of Mombasa. And when I got there, much like any red ball drill, if I haven't run it for that particular industry before or organization, you know, like the first time we did it with police, you know, the night before I was like, I don't know if this, if this is going to work with police, <laughs> I mean, I've never done it before. Well, in the end it works, you know, and I, I designed it to work. That's why. But again, until I know, I don't know. So, so the Kenyan mining facility was tough because you can't call 911 in Kenya, you know, you're, you're more likely to be shot by police than you are by an actual active shooter. So there's, you know, there's major issues with it. It's a mining facility that's super remote. Um, so that was probably the most difficult one because it was so widespread. And there were just so many dynamics. Plus, that was, I think, the second red ball drill I ever ran was for a mining facility in Kenya.
0: Wow. Talk about Uh, the challenge.
1: Oh, it was amazing. But at the end of that, that was actually the red ball drill that convinced me that the red ball drills work. Because when I started it, I was like, this seems to work. This seems like a good idea, but I'm not convinced. When I ran it in Kenya, that's what convinced me. Um, Because the findings were so pertinent and to their needs at that mining facility. And it all came from their staff who were simply put in a position to discuss process meaningfully.
0: Is there one scenario training that is more requested over others
1: I would say workplace violence in general is is the highest one, whether it's active shooter or, you know, let's not forget healthcare has the highest incident rate of workplace violence, I think, of anyone. You know, so when you're talking about behavioral health clinics and medical centers, you know, it's just it's at the forefront. And again, not always active shooter. Sometimes it's just a patient with dementia that takes a lamp and smashes it over a nurse's head, right, which happens. So so I, I would say that's predominantly the scenarios we run. But what's interesting about the red ball drills is it's Evolved based on the knowledge of people that we run it with. So we ran it for a major eSports gaming company. And their events have about 10,000 kids and their parents at any given time. And during the Red Ball Drills, the general counsel for this company came up and he goes, Eric, the Red Ball Drills are amazing. I'm seeing how you run them and how you're engaging my staff. And it's very different than what I thought was going to happen. And I love it. I'm like, oh, thank. I appreciate that. He goes, but active shooters are not my biggest concern. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of why you brought me here. <laughs> right. What is yeah. really and he goes, honestly, my biggest concern is kidnapped children. He goes, look, I I, I sit on the board of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. All of my staff is training Code Adam, which is the national standard for dealing with missing children. Could the red ball represent a missing child? And I said, I don't know. I never tried it. Let's try it. So we tried it. And it worked really well. Why? Because when the the ball is just a... It's an engagement tool to elicit the critical thinking I need to have a conversation about process. There's no fear in it because, you know, we don't throw the ball at people, although it, it did take six people to convince me not to do that. But,
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we it do. looks like a dodgeball, so. <laughs> oh,
1: man, it would have been so much more fun. But, you know, we don't. there's no fear factor. The ball is just there to say, hey, we're about to have a conversation and this tells you that we've started, you know, and if somebody's nervous, which we do get, somebody might get nervous because the spotlight's on them, we hand them the ball. And once they hold the ball, they're like, oh, I remember these you know, and smile. And that's, that's what I want, because I don't believe that fear is conducive to training, certainly for a civilian population. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, our ability to go in and, and work with people at that level is, is huge, Mm um, and works, you know, and allows us to vary. So when that ball comes out, any scenario that we want to run, we can run because it's not dependent on my subject matter expertise. It's dependent on theirs. So that's why we've been able to run scenarios on OSHA exercises, OSHA related events, you know, just workplace injuries, which happen. And a lot of tribes have somebody dedicated to OSHA standards for that, you know, for that very reason. Um, You know, we've run scenarios on supply chain and logistics, on procurement, on bullying, on sexual harassment. You know, again, I I know more about these things now than I ever thought I would, but it's not about my expertise in them. So so workplace violence is probably the overall arching one, but it totally depends on the tribe and on the organization. You know, a tribe in California might want to run a scenario on earthquakes. You know, and and I discovered how little I know about earthquakes being from Michigan. You know, and when I first pulled the ball, I'm like, okay, so let's discuss earthquakes. We're what are we, hiding under a door jam or is it like something like that? And they look at me like, Oh, aren't you cute and from the Midwest? No, we don't hide under the door jam.
0: That's what Here's they tell what us here. though. That's what they tell us in school. Get underneath the door frame. That's I, that's what I learned too. Well, that's
1: what I learned too. But if you talk to anybody who actually deals with earthquakes, they're like, Yeah, we don't do that anymore. You do get under something. You know, okay. from falling debris. But it's like I forget what their three step process is, but they, they have their own version of earthquake run, hide, fight. I just don't remember. What
0: mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. um,
1: but, you know, but again, I didn't know that until I had the conversation with somebody in California, you know, right. who, who had been trained on a, do- a dozen times, you know, and the red ball drills lead to process discovery. That's important. You know, again, all of this coming from red ball drills and running it with police, the discovery that we have also enlightening, you know, but imagine training for police that treats them like the subject matter experts they are. You know, and this goes for tribal police or local police. You know, it's not about teaching them how to be police. It's about asking them what they think should be done in specific scenarios. You know, and it's are and amazing. So yeah.
0: allowing the clients to have a conversation, like you said, about what they're worried about and evaluating that to see. What can be done better?
1: Uh, Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and because we're not delivering a solution, it inherently stops the whole idea of like, I am here to help you. (laughs) <laughs> I have come to solve all your problems. Like that is not this kind of training. We're there to discuss the problems meaningfully so that we can derive better process. And that's why we can go into Kenya or a Native American tribe or a distribution facility or a manufacturing facility or a casino, because it doesn't matter how different they are. Yet it totally matters how different they are
0: right so, so at the end of, of the trainings the end solution is the organization making changes within their policy based on your recommendations is that correct correct
1: okay. and mm-hmm. and because our recommendations are 90% based on procedure changes right it's very much not the oh we think you need a 17 foot fall uh, 17 foot tall fence around your daycare center you know it's it's more about hey you know here's how you communicate that there's a threat. Here's how you better utilize your resources that you already have. So the costs associated with them are minimal, you know, unless there's something glaring, like a door is broken, in which case we'll say, you know, fix the door. But, but, you know, for the most part, it's not about hardening facilities, which time and time again has been shown to not work that well. You know, you want to have a hardened facility enough so it's a deterrent, but look, unless you want to turn every facility into a bank, you're not going to succeed. You know, even Navy Yards in D.C., that was a military base, one of several where there was an active attacker. And think about how hardened a military base is. So, you know, so it's not about hardening. It's about process. We've had clients time and time again who have called and said, hey, I just want to tell you, we implemented 100 percent of your recommendations prior to Red Patrol. Do you know how many times that happened to me as a consultant? Yeah. <laughs> Never, ever, ever. You know, they're like, hey, we implemented three of your recommendations. I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. You know, but now because they're, they're, they're coming in and it's procedure driven, it's automatically relevant to their organizational culture. So we're not coming in telling them to do something that they wouldn't ever do. We're coming in saying, we understand your culture organizationally. And here, here here's what our recommendations are for procedure changes and maybe some other ideas that you could utilize. So it's it just works better. And that's that's why the Red Ball Drills have been successful.
0: Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about?
1: Um, only I forget to mention it all the time. But it, so in 2020, the Red Ball Drills were awarded Safety Act designation by the Department of Homeland Security. And we're the only crisis management uh, and active fear training program with that designation. And what it means is Safety Act essentially was developed after 9-11 to limit liability for organizations in the event of a terrorist attack. Not a lot lot of Native American tribes are really, you know, over-concerned with a terrorist attack at their facilities, maybe at the casinos more than anything else. But the the more important part of that DHS designation is we are now certified by DHS as a qualified anti-terrorism technology. And the process of us getting that designation was a three-year process of defining everything that we do. So I can point to all aspects of our program and show you the documentation on why we do it, how we hire our moderators, how we train our moderators, how we run a red ball drill, our quality assurance and quality control programs. So as opposed to just being a really good idea that works well, it is a DHS certified program with seven years of past performance. So so that's, you know, probably important. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's
0: really great. Congratulations. Congratulations.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm i not good at firing flares in the air about how awesome the red ball, red ball drills are. I just know that they work, you know, and any organization that's interested, have the conversation. We don't sell windows, you know, we're not out to, you know, capture more business. I'm not a sales guy. We're expanding and growing organically, which is what I want, you know, and organizations that see the benefit of how this works, you know, will quickly understand and know how to apply it. And It really provides beneficial findings that can immediately be implemented, like immediate process improvements. I've been in a red ball drill where we discovered something that needed to be fixed. And right there and then the security director says, why wait? Let's fix this now. Boom. So immediate. How many exercises are you aware of that that develop immediate process improvements? You know, it just doesn't exist. They have to wait two months for a report, and then maybe they can implement some of those changes in the report. So so that's, again, another benefit, but it's, you know, and it's fun. People enjoy it, which is what you want from training. You want people to enjoy the process of the training.
0: Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today and sharing your expertise with our listeners. Um, How do people get a hold of you? Do you have a website or email address you'd like to share? Uh, Yeah,
1: boy, the email address. I would say info at redballdrills.com. Okay, And if you Google Red Ball Drills, um, then you'll get to the website. Unfortunately, marketing wise, it's really tough with Red Ball Drills because it's so different. There's no one pager and the website gives some information, but it does not explain everything. Um, It almost takes this conversation uh, to help people understand how the Red Ball Drills work. But it does provide you a conduit reach out. Again, you're, you're not suddenly in our email servers and you're going to get attacked by emails every week. You know, reach out. We're happy to have a conversation and see how it applies to your organization. And whether it's a casino, behavioral health clinic, or even operations, you know, and running it at, at facilities that just deal with things from a potential workplace violence or injury or risk standpoint, call and find out, you know, there's you can either call or email or even schedule an appointment on the website, I believe. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much again. And we'll make sure to put the email address and the website link in our podcast notes also. So anybody who's listening can just go to that and uh, click there too. So, well, thank you, Eric. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for sharing everything about Red Ball Drills. Uh, thank you so much for having me and be
1: safe and, uh, and have a great rest of the week.
0: All right. You too. Thanks. You can find links to the Red Ball Drills in our podcast notes don't forget to subscribe and follow our show wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. Connect with all of us here at Travel Hub by searching us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, or visiting our webpage at tribalhub.com.